Was that not like the worst thing you've seen in a long time? <clears throat> Some of you were so into it, you were smiling and laughing as that thing was moving. Others of you were just like, like with the most serious look on your face. You were like clutching your phone like, please, dear God, say that's not happening to my phone right now. <laughs> but isn't that our reality in so many ways? <laughs> I mean, our lives are crazy and complicated. We have so much going on. You know, my, uh, my brother lives here in town, and he and I got together for lunch this past week at the Cheesecake Factory. Any ch- fans of the Cheesecake Factory? Yeah. You know, if you haven't been there, do you know that their menu is 22 pages long? 22 pages! That's unbelievable. So my brother and I sat down to have lunch, and we start navigating this menu And he's like, oh, this jambalaya looks good. I'm like, what page are you on, dude? He's like, 17. I'm like, how did you get there? I'm on page three, you know? And uh, so we're trying to navigate this this menu. And then we notice that underneath this menu, the 22-pager, there's another menu. And so we're like, oh, good. You know, this is the Cliff Notes version. Like, this is the specials, you know, whatever. No, 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 no. This is the Skinny-licious menu. Totally different items. These are all menu items under 590 calories, but it's like all other stuff, right? Now, this violates one of my all-time rules of eating out in a restaurant, okay? There's no way I'm going to pay money to be hungry when the experience is over. It's just not happening. I'm going to make sure that I get tons to eat, so I'm throwing this menu away. That's, I thought it was the Cliff Notes version, but it's not, so now I'm back stuck with this. And so our waitress comes to the table, and she says, Hey, uh, is there anything I can help you with? I'm like, yeah, how the heck do we navigate this thing? And I'm, I kid you not, my brother is my witness. She says to me, I know, right? It's like the Bible. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, don't, I can't, you can't make this stuff up. So, of course, so, but, but here's the thing, right? There is so much on here. She goes, there's 280 items on our menu. Isn't it cool? I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. But then what, you know, what was... What was our question? We're, we can't figure this out. We're, we can't even read the whole menu. So what was our question to our waitress? Our question was, so what do you, what do you recommend? What do you like? Because there's no way we're going we're gonna to be here for an hour just to read through all the choices. You know, here's the thing. We love the idea that we can get whatever we want, right? We love, in some ways, complexity because we have so many choices, so many options. We'd love to be super connected in this connected world that we live in. But at the same time that we love all these options, we love to have everything at our fingertips, at the same time, man, this thing is overwhelming. It's totally overwhelming. We crave simplicity. And I want to just give you a little visual illustration to bring home this point. So I'm going to show you a few pictures up on the screen. Here's our first one already up here. So I want you, as you see these photographs, just, you know, just keep in mind, is this, is this something that just draws you in? Like, do you say, oh, yes, this is somebody's uh, living room here or dining room. Does this make you just want to, like, pull up a chair at the table? I mean, does this, just, does this excite you with all this clutter and all this stuff? Let's go to the next slide. Okay, this is somebody's bedroom, I think, because you see the bed there in the corner. I mean, does this just make you just want to walk in there and go, 
Some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, I hope there's not a photograph of my bedroom coming up next, right? No, it doesn't. Let's go to the next one. This is my favorite one. Okay, now this is somebody's kitchen. Now, this is fascinating to me, you guys, because whoever lives in this kitchen obviously doesn't cook. There's no way they do, because there isn't any space to do any cooking at whatsoever. I mean, every bit of space is completely covered. But here's the best part, and I know this is hard to see, but up hanging from the ceiling, there's a light. Do you guys see the light? It's like a fan up there. They are using it as some sort of like hanging storage system in the middle of their kitchen. And can you see on the right there? Those are actually like plastic grocery bags, and they've got like Tostitos and stuff like hanging from the middle of the ceiling. Is that not just hilarious to you? This is not my kitchen, by the way, just, just so we're clear on that. So does that draw you in? Does that make you go, oh, let's go to the next slide. How about this? Oh, man, I got some, somebody clapping. Man, I know you have a little OCD about what's going on in your kitchen, okay? But doesn't that just want to make you pull up a chair and say, oh, man, this is great. Just hang out in the kitchen. Next slide. How about this? Nice little dining room action. You just kind of chill out, makes you feel at peace. Somebody else, a little OCD about their dining room situation. Okay, last slide. Don't we just crave simple? There's something about us just naturally that gravitates to this concept of simple. Even though we want tons and tons of options. You know, we want the world at our fingertips and we don't want to miss out on anything, right? We don't want to miss out on anything. At the same time, we want things simple and streamlined. Well, we all know how to take a room that's completely cluttered and complicated and simplify it. It may not be easy, but we all know how to do that. But here's the thing. How in the heck do we simplify our lives I mean, life is a whole different animal. That's nothing like a room that you can clean out. How do you simplify your life? Particularly after we saw this video. I mean, isn't that our reality? Like, we can choose to ignore it, but our email inboxes are filling up as we speak. So how do we simplify our lives? Because life is kind of crazy, right? I mean, this city, pretty crazy. How do we simplify our lives? Well, today we're going to take a look at somebody who lived an absolutely crazy life with an insane schedule. I mean, you talk about pressure, you talk about demands. This guy had it. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. Now, you may be saying, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I mean, like, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. Like, we didn't have any technology. Like, we didn't even have electricity. I mean, how much more simple, how much more basic, how much easier could it be than to live 2,000 years ago? How in the world can, can what Jesus did speak to my life today? I'm going to tell you something. I will guarantee you that Jesus Christ's life was busier than any one of us in this room. Let me explain. When Jesus started his ministry around the age of 30, he basically left his home, left where he lived, and he never returned to his home. He then was on the road for years and years and never had his own dwelling place to lay his head. Anybody do a lot of traveling for work? 
You know what it's like to be on the road, right? It is exhausting. To top it all off, as he started to gain popularity, he became this celebrity figure. And so crowds and crowds of people, if you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, crowds and crowds of people would follow him from town to town. And when he was coming into a town, people would flock to see him. And then whoever's house he was staying at, wherever he kind of set up shop to teach and then to visit with people, people would line up and they would, they'd be waiting from morning all the way until late in the evening, past when it was dark, queuing up outside the door of the house or wherever he was just to, just to get a couple minutes of face time with Jesus to be healed of something or to be counseled or whatever it was. I mean, he lived an unbelievably crazy schedule. Now, on top of all that, in his downtime, quote unquote, when he would like travel from one place to the next and kind of ditch the majority of the people, he still had these 12 guys with him, these 12 disciples, right? Now, they, they lived together, they traveled together, they did everything together. And Man, so he was also mentoring these 12 guys who were very diverse. There were a lot of issues and personalities within that group. They were constantly not understanding what he was saying. And so just kind of in his free time, that's what was going on with him. Now, to top it all off, Jesus was, was absolutely opposed to the religious authorities of his day. And so these religious leaders were constantly looking for ways to trap him. They were trying to figure out a way that they could take him out of this power that he was building and, and somehow remove him. So he was being hunted down in that way. And then just to top it all off, what was Jesus' light at the end of the tunnel? You know, for some of us, we're killing it. We're working hard, but we're like, oh man, you know, five years till retirement. This is going to be great and whatever, okay? Jesus' light at the end of the tunnel was he knew that the reason that he came was ultimately to suffer and die for our sins, for your sins, for my sins, to live this perfect, blameless life and then to die as a sacrifice to satisfy God's justice for all the, uh, the evil and, and all the sin in the world. So that, that's what he had to look forward to. Pretty crazy life. But yet, when you read about Jesus in the Gospels, you never see Jesus coming unglued. You never see him stretched too thin. You never see him out of balance. You always see Jesus in control. It is absolutely astounding. Now why? How did he have this unbelievably complicated life in some respects, and yet it was so simple? Well, Jesus had a simple habit that he practiced regularly. I got a few verses here from the gospel. See if you can pick it out. Luke 6, 12 and 13 says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them. Matthew 14, 23, after he had dismissed them, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Mark 1, 35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5, 15 and 16 says, Yet the news about him, this is Jesus, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to only places and prayed. Jesus had an unbelievably crazy life with an insane schedule, but he had a simple habit 
that kept things simple for him. He often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Now, if Jesus Christ thought it was worth his time to carve out time from his schedule to connect with his heavenly father to pray, if Jesus Christ felt like that was something that he needed, how much more so do we need to take time to pray to the one who made us? Now, if you're here this morning and you don't even know exactly what, you've, what you believe about Jesus, you're still trying to figure that whole thing out in Christianity and you're just checking it out, we're so glad you're here. You are absolutely in the right place. This is where you come and try and figure out those types of things. But even if you don't believe like Jesus was God and Jesus is your Savior, you have to admit that Jesus was an unbelievably influential figure in human history with some absolutely amazing teachings that have shaped thinking and teachings for thousands of years. So what would it hurt to take and put into practice a habit that a brilliant person had in play in his life and helped his life? But I got to tell you, if you are here and you call yourself a Christian, you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, then what it means to follow Jesus is actually to try and follow and do the things that Jesus did. That's what being a follower of Jesus is all about. Jesus prayed, so we should pray. Not only that, but Jesus is very clear in his teachings that we are supposed to pray. He tells us, you got to pray. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. He says, ask, seek, knock. Come on, you got to pray. You got to do it. Luke 18, 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And then he goes on to tell this parable about this unjust judge and this widow who persistently is coming to the judge. And so his point is, you got to pray. It's so important. Okay? So here's the deal. Couple things. We pray because as followers of Jesus, that's something Jesus did, so we should too. We also pray because Jesus tells us that we're supposed to pray. But here's the deal. That's not even the most compelling reason for me of why we should pray. Those are very important reasons, but for me, that's not the most important. The most important reason why I should pray actually comes from something that Jesus was teaching about in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 8, and he's, he's telling these people, and they're basically like trying to figure out how do we do this prayer thing, you know? And so he's basically saying, look, don't just like pray and try and figure out like how you can say the right magic things to get God to do what you want. He says this in verse 8, chapter 6, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that a powerful thought? Like God already knows. You see, prayer isn't for God. God already knows what we need. God's already even meeting our needs even before we start to pray. See, prayer isn't for God. God isn't up there like, you know, looking down on his billions of, of, of children, followers, and just being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe only half of them are praying today. You know, I'm so insecure. I mean, God's not like that. God doesn't, God's not needy. Okay? The prayer isn't for God, like somehow satisfy God's ego. Prayer isn't for God, it's for us. You want to fill that in. Prayer isn't for God, 
It's for us. God already knows our needs. God already knows what we're going to say. So then why in the world would Jesus say to pray? Because prayer is for us. There's something that we do. There's something that happens in the process of praying that obviously is incredibly beneficial to us. Now, the Apostle Paul found this to be absolutely true. If you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, he wrote much of the New Testament. And he originally comes on the scene in the New Testament because he is killing Christians. He was so adamant for his Jewish faith, saw Christianity as a major threat to his faith, that he was hunting down Christians and seeing that they were either shut up or they were killed. And then he had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. Changed his whole life, and he went and went completely the opposite direction and started planting churches all over the place. And he had an absolutely insane life. Like he was on the run. He was starting all these churches. He was constantly fearing for his life. And travel in those days was nuts. So he was like, he kept getting shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was stoned. I mean, all this crazy stuff happened to the Apostle Paul. He's got this crazy life. But check out what he writes. He understood this principle of prayer. Now, ultimately, prayer is for us. It's God's gift to us. Philippians chapter 4, he's writing to the church in Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. And in the fourth chapter of this letter that he's writing in verses 6 and 7, look at what he says. It's a powerful verse. That's why you've probably heard this before. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. He had plenty to be anxious about, okay? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For Paul, prayer brought him peace. This resonates deeply with me. I go to start my day in the morning And it's as if that video is playing in my brain as soon as I get up and I start to plug in. And all these thoughts and things, and I start worrying about different stuff or just kind of focusing on stuff that I've got to do and get done and whatever. And a lot of it is within my control, but then there's some of it that's not even in my control that I spend time and energy worrying about, thinking about, focusing on. It's such a powerful thing when you can take that stuff to God. Take those things that are on your mind For me, when I'm able to do that, I'm able to say, okay, God, I'm giving this stuff to you. It is unbelievably simplifying for me. I'm able to offload a whole bunch of stuff that really I can't control or worry about anyway. And and I get a whole bunch more time and space and energy to focus on the things that I ultimately need to focus on. Not only does prayer bring peace, but prayer also brings perspective. It brings perspective. It's such a great reminder of what's ultimately important. And we're going to talk much more about this throughout this Simplify series. But it has a way of clarifying things and keeping us attuned to what ultimately matters and what ultimately, if we don't do anything else in our day, the main things that we should and not allowing some of the other stuff to clutter up the day and complicate it. Prayer is so powerful. Jesus did it. He often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Then he tells us that we are supposed to pray as well. Not for God's sake, but for our sake. So, I want to give you guys a challenge. I want to get really, really practical here 
as we start out this Simplify series. For the next 30 days, from June 10th to July 10th, for the next 30 days, this is a very old school alarm clock here. When your alarm goes off, your iPhone goes off or whatever, when your alarm clock goes off, I want you to do one simple thing. I want you to hit snooze. Some of you are like, man, I can handle that. I am like the snooze king, you know. Man, just one time, because I can hit it like multiple times. I do every morning, okay. Now, I don't know if any of you guys could hold a candle to my wife uh, before she and I had kids. Like, she was, she was incredible. Like, well over an hour on a Saturday morning, like, that was nothing. Like, we'd be, we'd be pushing into two hours. I wanted to rip the alarm clock out of the wall, you know. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. She just hits it. She's back to sleep. You know, so annoying. She would keep snoozing, right? And it was on her side of the bed anyway. So some of you are like, I got the snooze thing. That's beautiful. I do that anyway. I can hit snooze. That sounds spiritual. Okay, now hold on. There's one cat. There's one cat. All right. When you hit snooze... Don't go back to bed. Don't go back to bed. Instead, now, you have a running timer. Ten minutes. Get yourself up and spend those first ten minutes of your morning praying to God. Just about every single one of us in this room has margin in the morning. We can all afford, you know, you know this is true. You can hit snooze and, you, and your day will still be okay. You could do one snooze and your day will still be okay, right? So I want you to hit snooze and then spend the first 10 minutes in prayer. Now, I have to tell you guys this, okay? This is very important. You absolutely don't have to do this. In fact, there is nothing at all anywhere in the Bible that says, thou must prayeth every dayeth. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't, it doesn't say it. It's not, you must begin your morning. If you don't, you're a terrible person. It's not in there. You can't find it, okay? God just tells us to pray. And some of you guys might not be morning people or whatever. You have your own kind of prayer thing worked out. But here's the deal, okay? This is, this is my point. There's nothing that says we have to pray every morning, start our day. But I will guarantee you, you will be better off spending those first 10 minutes connecting with the one who made you and made everything in your world than you will by going back to sleep. I'll guarantee you. There's a little card in your bulletin, and I want you guys to pull that out with me right now, okay? It's a little white card. It was paper clipped in there. Just take that out, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to fold this sucker in half, make like a little tent so it can stand up. Okay, just take that, fold it, And what you're going to do, if you want to participate in this challenge, which if you do, you'll be glad that you did, is to set this thing right on top of your alarm clock or your phone or whatever it is that wakes you up in the morning. If it's your kids, it's going to be challenging, okay? (laughs) But find a place to set this. And for the next 30 days, we are going to try this challenge. I got a little rule for you. In the spirit of simplifying things, here's a simple rule. Okay, here we go. Hopefully this this will be memorable for you. Set a time and speak your mind. You want to fill this in? Set a time 
and speak your mind. So go ahead and take this card and either put it in your pocket or your purse or somewhere where you won't lose it. I, don't just leave it in the bulletin because, you know, then you'll, like, drop it in the trash as you leave or whatever you do with it, and you'll, you'll never find it again. So put it, like, in your pocket or something, okay? So, but here's, here's the rule. Set a time and speak your mind. Here's what I mean by this, all right? Give yourself a fixed amount of time. I love the idea of having the snooze or having some sort of a timer that can focus you. Because many of you, if you haven't done this in a while, you're like, you're just getting back in the way of it, you're going to feel like, oh my gosh, there's so much I should really do. And like, I should probably pray for like an hour because I kind of, oh God, make up time or whatever. And like, you're going to do that and you're going to like burn yourself out. It's going to wreck your day. You know, it's, it's just going to be a mess. So just set a finite period of time. For some of you, you'll roll right out of bed and you'll do the snooze thing and you're, you're like awake, okay? And you'll do it right then. Now for me, that's not how it works for me. If I, you know, hit that snooze button and then I roll over, I'm like, okay, God, uh, and I'm back out. So that, that's not going to work for me. So I got to get my shower. I got to get myself dressed. I have my bowl of cereal, but since I didn't snooze, now I have that little 10-minute margin, and right after I've eaten something, I'm finally awake. That's when I'm going to take my time, and I set a time, and I go ahead and pray. Okay, so set a time. Now let's talk about speak your mind, because some of you are like, well, what the heck do you even say? And I really struggle with prayer. And, and what does this all look like? And, and how does it work? Okay, it's, it's painfully simple. Speak your mind. Whatever it is that's on your mind, okay? So it could be something like this. You could, you, could um, you know, roll over and you're awake and you're like, okay, God, I'm going to do this thing. And speaking your mind starts like this. God, I'm tired. I really want to go back to sleep right now. That's how it starts. Or it might be like, you know, I don't even know that I fully like, I mean, this is kind of trippy because I don't even know that I fully believe in you and like, what am I doing right now? And this is kind of, am I talking to the ceiling or what's it? And that's your starting point. And then you start to move into your day and what's going on and stuff that you've been thinking about. And believe me, it'll come. Now, there's a million different ways this can happen. You can say it out loud. You can be thinking it in your mind. You can kind of think your prayer to God. My preferred way, and you've got to find your own, but my preferred way is actually pen and paper. Because for me, I'm like so ADD that if I start praying out loud or something, like next thing I know, I'm like not praying anymore. And I don't even know how that happened. I know that doesn't happen to any of you guys because you're just awesome, okay? But for me, I start writing. It just, man, it just helps. It really helps. And it just starts flowing. But I always just start with whatever is on my mind. Pray about what you're passionate about. Just, just go for it. Don't worry about how it sounds. Just, just start talking to God. Now, here's what I want you to be thinking about. What might your week look like this week coming up if instead of the first thing you do in the morning is have your NPR come on and you're filled with all these news sound bites or whatever, or instead of like you're checking your Facebook on your phone or you're checking your email inbox or whatever it is that you're plugging into, what if instead of doing that, the first 10 waking minutes of your day were spent talking to the one who made you, who makes sense of everything? What might it look like? What might your month look like if you're willing to go on this 30-day challenge? Now, this is the last parting shot, and then we're going we're gonna to pray, and then the team's going to come up and close us with one last song, which is kind of like a prayer to God. Don't think for a minute that this is going to be easy. When you hear simplify, and, and you'll feel this throughout this series that we're going to do, simple does not equal easy, okay? Because Although we all want simplifying, we all want to simplify in our lives, the process of simplification is actually quite difficult. But here's the deal. It is so worth it when you get there, isn't it? 
It is so worth it when you completely declutter and reorganize a room and you're just like, ah, okay? It ain't going to be easy when that snooze, when that alarm goes off tomorrow morning. Many of you are going to be like, oh my God, are you serious? Like, I forgot about the card. This is terrible, okay? And for the first couple days, it's really going to be a struggle. You're going to be trying to figure out that process and what that looks like. But here's the thing. It will absolutely be worth it if you'll stay with it. And we are going to talk so much more about that throughout this series. So I just encourage you guys, take this 30-day challenge with me. Let's pray. God, we just want to say thank you for um, this great reminder of how much we need to pray. If you carved out time in your schedule, Jesus, how much more so do we? Lord, help us to build that simple habit. I'm praying, God, for so many of us that this, this 30 days will, will become this, this habit-forming thing that will lead us to peace and perspective, and it will help to simplify and clarify so many things in our lives. God, help us to take that step. This is something we know we need to do, not for your sake, but for our sake. So help us, Lord, encourage us to do it. And for those who are here this morning, and like, and their prayer life is already rocking, and they've got great habits and, and all that stuff, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would inspire them with just taking it up a notch, a, a way to, to freshen that prayer up a little bit, some, something that they can do, God, to just, to just connect with you even more. Lord, we thank you. And we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And what better time to set a time than now? So as we end today, guys, we uh, just want to give you the opportunity to use your words and to speak to God this morning. And as you do so, we'll sing the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us in the scriptures. Feel free to sing along, but please use this time uh, just to talk with our Father in heaven.